Welcome to the Sunday Service Podcast of First Universalist Church, a Unitarian Universalist congregation located in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We are a radically welcoming and progressive religious community deeply committed to love, justice, spiritual growth, and living out our values in the world. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. My name is Knut Remen, and you've probably seen me up here a lot these past months as a reader. Also these past months, the First U Holiday Giving Team and I have been talking and meeting about how to make the Christmas and on the holiday season more enjoyable for everyone. Today I'm going to talk today I'm going to share what Christmas means to my family. Whether it be Stanley the plastic Christmas tree, the star mom spent hours looking for back when I was a small child, or, or building Christmas Legos and listening to Frank Sinatra or whoever else, Christmas has brought many new traditions to my family. And more things come every year. As my dad comes from Norway, he loves himself a good lamb chop. Unfortunately, I don't. Therefore, another tradition, lamb chops and hot dogs for Christmas dinner. <laughs> Besides presents, there are a lot of things we do presently, like buy each other experiences instead of a present, like going to an indoor mini golf place and doing fun things like that. Maybe it would be a trip to the North Shore to go skiing or anything else up there. This is what Christmas means to my family. Hi, I'm Lucy. And I'm Sarah, Lucy's sidekick. Our family has been on the holiday giving team for the past few months. So we have been talking about the holidays, what they mean to us, and what brings our family joy during the holidays. Lucy, what do you like about the holidays? What I love about the holidays is all of the special things we do as a family. Me too. What is one of the things that you love that we do as a family? I like putting up our Christmas tree right after Thanksgiving. We decorate the tree and listen to Christmas music. And I always want to listen to Frank Sinatra because that's what my family listened to when I was a kid. I love looking at all the ornaments we've collected over the years and talking about past holidays. What else do you like about the holidays? I like our countdown calendar. When I wake up on December 1st, our countdown calendar is hung up in the, our living room. There is an envelope for each day of December leading up to Christmas. My little sister and I take turns opening the envelope each day. Each envelope has a piece of paper with something written on it. Often things to do with the family, like making paper snowflakes to decorate our windows, going sledding, reading Christmas stories together, or going to a play. Our countdown calendar is fun. Going to plays and holiday parties and the Christmas pageant at church are all fun. But when I think about it, something that really brings me joy during the holidays is when we slow down. You and your sister don't have school, and your dad and I take time off of work. No one has their usual activities like music lessons and sports practices. Sometimes we stay in our pajamas all day. And play games and drink hot cocoa by the fire. And do puzzles. I love the ways that we spend time together that are not part of our usual routine. It makes it a special time to connect. I think my favorite thing about the holidays, though, is going over to my grandparents' house on Christmas Eve. I love all the food we always eat every year, including my Nana's Christmas cookies. And don't forget about the Christmas crackers. Every year we open those up with a bang, and we tell each other the corny jokes inside, and then everyone in the family wears their paper crown during dinner. And then after dinner, we watched the movie Fantasia. How did that tradition start? I don't know. 
But that's the fun thing about family traditions. It's fun to do the things we've always done, but we can always start new ones too. Like this year, we've talked about little things we can do to cut down on holiday waste. Instead of buying wrapping paper, we are going to use the Sunday comics or make homemade wrapping paper out of recycled materials to wrap gifts. I think it'll be fun. We can always create new traditions and find new ways to focus on what brings our family joy, slowing down and connecting with one another. Reimagining joy, reimagining justice. My name is Isabel, and I'm co-chairing the holiday planning committee with Justin this year. And when Justin and I sat down to discuss our hopes and vision for this year's holiday giving campaign, three things were immediately apparent. First, we wanted the committee itself to be intergenerational. We wanted families to be part of the discussion, and specifically, kids and teens to be part of the decision-making process. Once the group was formed, we were beyond thrilled to have a total of six kids and teens, with the youngest in the group being seven years old. Second, we wanted whatever organization we partner with to be actively working towards racial justice. We, as our congregation as a whole leans into this important work, we wanted this to be reflected in the holiday giving campaign. More specifically, we wanted our partner this year to be centered around supporting black leadership and black liberation. Lastly, we wanted this year's holiday giving to focus around grounding ourselves in our UU principles and values and moving away from the societal pressures around the holidays of consumerism and waste. Our committee started meeting in May of this year and really started to dig into these three goals and how to bring this vision to life. We met with local black leaders to hear about what organizations were active in the Twin Cities and to hear feedback as how we to hear feedback as on how we as a mostly white congregation should approach a partnership with a black led organization. That understanding awareness of whiteness and white supremacy culture is a spectrum. Not everyone is in the same place. We as a congregation and as individuals will not always get this right. That to form and maintain a successful partnership, we must create a foundation of trust, understanding, and that although the, Im our, the impact might not always be perfect, we move with the best intentions. This year, we kick off a long-term partnership with Black Lives of Unitarian Universalism, also known as BLUE. Blue is a national UU organization, and our own congregations, Lena Gardner is currently executive director of Blue. As a national organization, Blue is doing racial justice work all over the country, creating spaces for black folks to connect and reconnect with Unitarian Universalism. However, one of their largest undertakings is in our own backyard. Blue has purchased eight lots in North Minneapolis and is now in the beginning stages of working to create a black-owned housing cooperative. Ultimately, Blue will engage the community, discover their dreams for these lots, and help build 32 affordable housing units. 
We. <laughs> We will be supporting Blue as an organization, but there will certainly be partnership work and opportunities around this innovative housing initiative for years to come. The biggest challenge that I believe our congregation will face in this new partnership is letting go of control. In supporting Blue, we must take a step back and understand we are not in the driver's seat. The most integral part of supporting black leaders is trusting black leaders trusting that they know their own communities best, trusting that money or time given by our congregation is being used well, and we trust the work they are doing. Recognizing that the need for Blue to provide us with every answer, double check every penny, provide every detail on how the decision-making process is white supremacy culture. That our shared UU values was ground us all in the same vision of racial justice. But more than that, understanding the work and covenant Blue has already implemented radically embodies and lives out our UU values. To support black leadership, to support Blue, to make this a successful long-term partnership, we must place our trust in Blue. As we move into the holiday season, we hope this new partnership with Blue will all help us reimagine what justice looks like in our own lives and in racial justice work. Given the state of the state, it's very easy to be glass half empty. But let's all take a pause and take a step back. And remember that working towards something bigger than ourselves feels good. That finding your community and working towards a shared vision of a better world feels good. There is joy in seeking justice. So as we move into the chaos of the holiday season, let's hold on to that feeling. Together, let's reimagine joy and reimagine justice. So last week, uh, Reverend Ruth preached an incredible sermon, in my estimation. Uh, how many of you were here and heard that sermon? Yeah, it was a great, there's Ruth right there. She's right there. It was a great, if, and so here's, here's what I want you to do. If you haven't heard the sermon, just go download the podcast and listen to it while you're running or in your car or something. Amazing sermon. I don't think I'm going to ruin anything by telling you this morning that in her sermon, she argued for a fuller truth-telling, a more honest reckoning with our own histories, with the histories of our institutions and with the history of our country and our faith communities. And so I am taking that sermon to heart this morning, and I want to share some of the history with you in our own faith tradition and why it matters so much to me and why my heart was soaring as we were celebrating this idea of giving holiday gifts to Blue for five years. So I want to do some time traveling with you to go back into some of our Unitarian Universalist history. Before we time travel, though, I do want to share this with you, and that is that there have been and always, there are, excuse me, there are and always have been black folks in Unitarian Universalism. We sometimes forget that, we sometimes invisibilize them, we don't recognize their contributions, but they have always been here, and there have always been black Unitarian Universalist ministers. What's true is that black people and people of color are drawn to this faith because this faith respects the mind and the spirit 
Because this faith believes that spiritual wisdom and insight is found in all people, in all places, in all religious texts and tradition, not just one book or one person. And because Unitarian Universalism is focused on creating beloved community in the here and now. Black folks have always been a part of Unitarian Universalism. What is also true is that as an institution, Unitarian Universalist institutions, the association and individual congregations often forget about the black folks who have been a part of the story. And on top of that, we have a very poor record of supporting black ministers and black-led efforts and black-led congregations. We have not adequately funded those initiatives or those efforts. And my colleague, my good colleague, uh, Reverend Mark Morrison-Reed, has done just a deep dive into this history, exploring over the centuries how, what this has looked like in our faith tradition. And he shares this. He says, suppose that funds had been forthcoming in 1911, so this is over 100 years ago, when Reverend Joseph Fletcher Jordan, he was a universalist minister, a black universalist minister, when he asked the Universalist Association to support plans to add a seminary to the African-American school he ran in Suffolk, Virginia. Mark Morrison-Reed goes on. Imagine that the graduates then of this school might have fanned out across the South to preach the gospel of the larger hope, God's all-embracing love. They needed $6,000 for this endeavor. Jordan traveled, this is the minister, traveled around the Northeast in 1911 and 1912 raising money, but in the end, he raised less than $1,500. To put this in context, says Mark Morrison-Reed, in April of 1890, the Universalists began a mission in Japan. The Japanese mission was given at least $6,000 a year, often more, eventually totaling more than $275,000 for this effort to go to Japan and share the Universalist message of love and hope. During those same years, the Universalists could not raise $6,000 for their mission to the colored people. Reverend Mark Morrison-Reed asks us, what does this suggest? And he answers, black lives don't matter. This pattern continued over the next century plus. Again, from Mark Morrison-Reed, throughout the 50s, half-hearted efforts to settle African-American ministers largely failed. And as a result, good, qualified ministers discerning that it wasn't going to be successful in a Unitarian Universalist church, they went elsewhere. Put bluntly, he says this, neither the Universalist Church of America nor the American Unitarian Association ever gave strong backing to African-American congregations. So black ministers left the faith. In the 1960s, a number of black folks actually joined Unitarian Universalist congregations. There were more then than there are, are at this point in time. Unitarian Universalists had been on the front lines of the civil rights movement, had marched in Selma, were out front and public in their support of civil rights and the justice issues of their times. And so that commitment made many of our congregations seem like they would be welcoming places for black folks to come. And they were, to some extent. Toward the end of the 1960s, there was actually a critical mass of black Unitarian Universalists in our congregations. And among them, there was this growing desire for black empowerment within Unitarian Universalism. 
There are a number of different versions to the history of those years, but as I understand it, in 1968, a Black Affairs Council was formed in the early spring, I guess the winter of 1968, this Black Affairs Council was formed, and they approached the Unitarian Universalist Association's Board of Trustees asking for funding to support their own organization and organizing within the Unitarian Universalist Association. Initially, the board refused, but a couple months later at that year's General Assembly, this new proposal came in front of the whole General Assembly and a vote was taken and a million dollars was promised to the Black Affairs Council to be given out over four years. It was a significant financial commitment, a gesture of repair, of reparations, if you will, and at the same time, it couldn't fully address the centuries of underfunding of black-led faith efforts. Here's how I understand what happened next. The Unitarian Universalist Association provided some funding. They provided $450,000 between 1968 and 1970, but a financial crisis within the association and conflicts among different groups in the association brought direct funding to the Black Affairs Council to a halt. So there was a financial crisis and the funding ended. It was really a death blow in many ways. Ultimately, hundreds of black Unitarian Universalists left the faith. Over the following decades, the Unitarian Universalist Association remained committed to racial justice, though black empowerment and empowerment of people of color often remained on the sidelines. So now fast forward to 2016, just a couple of years ago, three years ago. The Unitarian Universalist Association's Board of Trustees has gathered. They've invited the leadership of Black Lives of Unitarian Universalism, this organization that is just forming, to come and to share with them what they are doing for Unitarian Universalists around the country, Black Unitarian Universalists. And in that conversation and in that time of sharing, the board made a historic commitment to fund Blue and their efforts. They gave $300,000 to fund immediate needs of Blue and they promised to raise $5 million to fund an endowment to support the ongoing work of Blue. As one of the board members, Greg Boyd said, the $5 million that we're committing is the current value of a $1 million commitment that the General Assembly affirmed in 1968 to give to the Black Affairs Council, but never did. Boyd concluded, so we are fulfilling a promise that General Assembly committed us to close to 50 years ago. He concluded, this commitment is just one step in a long journey towards fulfilling promises made to black Unitarian Universalists in the 1960s. Since this funding, Blue has been busy. They have created healing spaces for black people in person and online. They have offered workshops at General Assembly. They've increased opportunities for pastoral care, specifically for black Unitarian Universalists. They've continued to develop relationships with non-black UUs of color, and they've provided resources for white anti-racism work among Unitarian Universalists. The ministry that Blue is doing today is ministry that many tried to start 50 years ago in an effort to help us become the people we say we want to be. So our support for Blue this holiday season and the subsequent ones acknowledges and holds this history. 
as we support the history and the perspectives and the leadership of black Unitarian Universalists. I've been to multiple blue events, including this recent symposium they just had in St. Paul. And let me tell you, blue is modeling the kind of Unitarian Universalism that I want us to be. This radically inclusive Unitarian Universalism, this spiritually grounded Unitarian Universalism, and this Unitarian Universalism committed to dismantling white supremacy culture and building beloved community. So this holiday season, we're inviting you to reimagine joy and justice in your own life. To reimagine your relationship to the holidays and to the planet and to cut back on some of your holiday spending and consumption. We're inviting you to reimagine how this season can be a time of joyful justice making as we collectively give what we save to blue. This is soul work. This is work of the spirit. This is work that is worthy of our lives to be in right relationship with black Unitarian Universalists. And I want to conclude with a reading from Howard Thurman. It's called, Now the Work of Christmas Begins. It's really the work of the season, the spirit of the season. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and the princes are home, and when the shepherds are back with their flocks, then the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among the people, to make music in the heart. This is the work of the season to joyfully discover what makes our hearts sing, to rebuild our faith into what it can be, and to heal what has been broken. May it be so, and amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We're a faith community committed to racial justice, and together we give, receive, and grow in the Universalist spirit of love and hope. To learn more about who we are and our ministry, please visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.